Hello everyone, I'm Mark Saxford and I want to welcome you all to my new podcast called People Behind Brands, brought to you by Making Websites Better. Throughout the series, I'll be opening up my little black book of contacts where I'll be joined by an inspirational guest from the world of business, getting to the bottom of what made them so successful. In each episode, I'll be touching upon the highs and the lows that every professional has faced along the way. To never miss an episode, subscribe to exclusive content now and follow us on our social media platforms. People Behind Brands. Life lessons from the world of business. So our very first guest to kick us off on the podcast is a name familiar among football fans. This former striker was amongst the goals at clubs such as Brentford, Reading and Ipswich Town, to name just a few. From a career that involved putting a ball in the back of the net, to setting those goals within his new business venture today. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr Nicky Forster. As you know, the aim of this podcast is to delve into life lessons of the highs and lows within your career and life as a whole. Many people will know you for a career within football, playing at a high level for some fantastic clubs, including my beloved Ipswich Town and scoring a lot of goals along the way. Talking of goals, since your retirement in 2011 from the professional game, you've begun a new career as a motivational speaker and a goal-setting coach. It seems scoring goals on and off the pitch has been a consistent part of your life. So my first question takes us back to the very beginning when you started out as a young boy wanting to play football. Take us through the very early part of your career and making it as a pro. Do you know what? It, it's, it was, for me, it was, there's different people obviously had different journeys to professional football. For, for, for me, it was just born out of... Um, a love of playing football, which is where we all started. We love playing football, grassroots level, playing as a kid, just look forward to getting my boots on and just going out there and just playing with a freedom before football became pressurised and part of your job. I still loved it when it got that level, but it's just born out of me just, just loving playing football at grassroots level. And that then just pushed me from one team to another and in terms of elevated me and um, I was successful. So I was always quick. I was always greedy, always had an eye for a goal. So in terms of um, the, the progression, I, uh, you know, I, I just kept playing football because I loved it and scoring goals because I loved doing that. And I, and that was the same when I was eight years old. And that was the same when I was 35 years old. I just wanted to be out there running around in my kit um, and, and scoring goals. So how did I get how did I get into football? Luck got me into football. Just the introduction into football was just in the right place, right time, was playing for a team called Hawley Town and Gillingham uh, came down for a pre-season friendly and they asked, I was in the youth team at Hawley Town and they asked the youth team if anyone wanted to to play the second half. You know, the first team, Hawley's first, uh, first team played the first half. And then for a minute, anyone for the under 18s, you know, the sort of 17, 18 year olds, if anyone wants to, to have a game, then then uh, you can come on in the second half for the experience of playing against pros. And not one player said yes. I was amazed. I looked around the, you know, the dressing room and said, we're, we're playing Gillingham next week. Anyone would like to, to play second half, you've got an opportunity to play. And no one put their hand up. I was amazed. And I just went, yeah, I'll play. Yeah, I'll play. What have I got to lose? Do you know what I mean? It wasn't, oh, this is my chance. I didn't even think of it like that. I just was, yeah, I played. So I played the game, obviously did well enough. I mean, I never forget the game. Hawley Town went 1-0 up after about 20 seconds, celebrated like they won the, the, the World Cup. Do you know what I mean? Running around the pitch, ended up losing 15-1. Uh, 
So, um, you know, it was just a, it's just a massacre. But I came on and obviously did something that someone saw, was asked down for a trial off the back of that. And that's where it went. And if had I not taken that, that opportunity, then um, well, I never would have played the games I played, scored the goals I scored and irritated the amount of people I irritated. So you, you had that confidence from a very early age then, it sounds like. Well, no, I don't know if I did. I just, um, I don't know whether whether it was confidence or, or what it was. I don't, I mean, I think people possibly see me as a confident person, but um, I'm sure like everyone else, I have my own um, doubts inside my mind. I have my own process of can I do it, can't I do it? And I just reaffirm to myself all the time, of course, I can do whatever I want to do. You know, I look at Cristiano Ronaldo and he smashes a free kick in the, you know, the top corner from 30 yards as a free kick. And he celebrates as like, well, of course I'm going to do it. What did you all expect? Do you know what I mean? But I'm sure he has those moments where he think, can I do this before actually running up and striking the ball? But listen, uh, you know, that that's my introduction and never look back. So uh, with this podcast, we're the sort of element really is that it's a sort of family as well that that gets involved with it all, that tells the story of your career. So how would you say your family played their part during their success of your career? They were absolutely inspirational and um, intrinsically linked with my success because they came and supported me and watched me every home game, whether I played for Brighton, whether I played for Reading, Birmingham, Ipswich, um, Hull, Charlton, wherever I went, they came to watch me, especially the home games. And there's no doubt about it. When you've got your family there or it's on Sky, it's on TV and you know that they're at home watching, that gives you an incentive to to play well, an added incentive to play well and make them proud. And um, had they not supported me like that, then I'm sure I probably wouldn't have done quite as well. So they are... And, and take as much credit for my career as I do because they, um, they're intrinsically linked to it. Yeah. So like any good football, it's a career, I, I guess, full of highs and lows. Um, you enjoyed spells at both Brentford and Brighton at different stages of your career. But I think it's fair to say you are fondly remembered for your time at Reading. Uh, what would you say were the real highs you enjoyed throughout your career at any team that you played for? Um, do you know what? Um, people say to me, who do you support? And um, the family are, are West Ham supporters. My dad was an East End boy. But who do I support? I support all the eight clubs that I played for. And every single game, every single, the end of Saturday, um, you know, quarter to five or a Tuesday evening, I'll go to the results and I will always look for my teams, the teams I represented, teams I wore their shirt for, Ipswich, obviously, being one of them. Um, highs and lows just playing for those teams, you know, you, you reel off the names and it's not until you come out of that bubble and sometimes of football and look back, I realised how privileged and, and yeah, proud I was to, to wear. I mean, look at Ipswich, their history, their pedigree, Birmingham City, um, Hull, Charlton, Brighton, you know, all the, the histories behind these clubs. And I was lucky enough to, in a, in a short period of time, to wear their jerseys. Sounds a little bit... Um, over deep, over um, melodramatic, but yeah, you know, um, highs, highs was playing for them, scoring goals. I mean, I, I pride myself and my career now, as you say, in motivational speaking and goal setting is, is all geared towards goals because that's all I love doing. I just loved scoring goals in training. I celebrated goals like I did when I was out at Portman Road and the rest of the stadium. 
Um, you know, so the highs, goals, the lows as a player being left out, being dropped out of favour. And the biggest one is injury. And uh, Reading, um, <clears throat> I had a, a really long-term injury, quite a cruel injury. I did my ACL and I did the whole of pre-season and the very last pre-season friendly game before the season started the following Saturday, I did my ACL and, and um, was out the whole season. But even within that real, you know, tough, tough moment and that damaging blow, you know, you, you gear yourself up mentally, physically for a, a season of 46 games and then poof, that's taken away from you with an injury because it's a six, seven month rehab. So, I mean, if you were add it on from, from August, August, September, October, November, December, January, you're talking February sort of coming back. And by that time, you know, the majority of the season is well underway and, and, you know, you've got to start there building your credibility and building your worth within the team. At Reading, we had, <coughs> excuse me, Martin Butler and Jamie Curiton, who were actually on fire. So to think that I could just walk back in the team was going to be you know, just a non-starter. So there you lows. That was one of my low points. I signed for Birmingham uh, four, four years before that. And three games after I signed, um, damaged my ACL. That was my first introduction to long-term injury. And, and that went a long way in terms of shaping me um, and me building a resilience inside me to deal with life's blows. And the Birmingham, uh, the, the Birmingham one was the first one. And I did a similar injury on my other knee, as I say, when I was at Reading, um, just before the season started. But I set myself goals, and I talk about goals all the time, because that's what I think defines me. Set myself challenges, even on my rehab. You know, the, 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 you, know you have the operation, it's quite a invasive quite a, a brutal operation replacing a cruciate ligament and uh, I, I set myself goals you know get the leg straight get full flexion of the leg within a certain period strengthen the leg up then start running multi-directional contact stuff there was a pathway to get me back on the pitch and and the the, the reading one I got back on time um, you know with my target and I wanted to, I remember when Alan Pardew when I sat in his office and he said, Foz, it's not good. You've done your cruciate. And I could feel myself welling up. And, you know, we don't like to cry much, but I, I just thought, all oh, that work. And I, I, that's it. And I said to him, he said, you're not going to play this season. And I said, Pards, all that came to me in that instant was, Pards, I will play this season. And I will have a telling com com combination this season, a contribution, you know, to this season. And, and I did. Came back and the semi-final... Um, of the playoffs I came on second leg against Wigan I set a goal up scored the winner and it's now voted one of the best games ever at the Medeski Stadium so there's your proud moments Yeah so from those those highs and, and, and the lows as well uh, were there times in your playing career where you questioned your future or, or struggled at certain points and obviously you just mentioned the, the the injuries there especially that ACL but you know is it can you share some of those those moments with us those difficult moments yeah I mean um, the answer to that is yeah there's some really low points and um, falling out of favour is one that's difficult to manage that's in some ways harder than injury because that's I mean an injury is just a, a um, is a, a physical thing that stops you from doing what you need to do to be good enough to be on the pitch. 
it's just there it's definitive with falling out of favor which i've done it um on, on two occasions with with clubs um that's someone having an opinion on you that they don't think you're good enough that is a hard thing that's rejection that's really hard to take and that in some ways is more difficult to be strong and resilient against than than in a long-term injury uh how did i how did i deal with them um as I say, for me, setting goals was was really important. But resilience is is something that can be um, developed, it can be encouraged, it can be built. And, and just like a, a muscle in a gym, you can build it up. Resilience is is the same. And there are lots of little things that you can do, and I did to to um, help me become more resilient. One of them was to, as I say, as I touched on, to set goals. So it must be difficult when you get to a certain point in your career, uh, whether you're in favour or whether you're not, um, and you know you've got only a limited time left and looking for a move that might give you some security in the latter part of your career. Uh, but when when did you finally decide to, when you when you finally decide to hang up your boots, describe to me what your feeling was like for you personally? Um, it was quite an easy decision and I always felt that I I would know when the time is right. And it, it turned out to be exactly that case. And um, I was at um, Brentford, my second stint at Brentford. The manager, unfortunately, lost his job, um, Andy Scott. And I was the oldest, most senior pro available. And I was asked to take over on just on a temporary basis, um, just for three or four games. Um, I did that. We, we did fairly well. The results were good. And... As they were looking for a replacement, they felt that they couldn't find the one they wanted at that point in time. So they said, look, I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to give it to you to the end of the season. There were still 15, 18 games left. I was 36 years old. It just was the, the right time to say, let's now focus on management. Let's just focus on, um, on, on, on leading the team rather than trying to join the two, combine the two of playing and managing the team. It was for someone inexperienced like myself at the time, it was just too great a challenge. So I just thought this is the right time for me to move away because obviously at 36, you haven't got a lot of time in front of you playing wise. So it, it just seemed the right time. So in terms of that family tie we spoke about as well during the early part of your career, you've obviously got your stepson Jake playing his trade at Charlton. Uh, one of your former clubs, obviously. Um, yeah. You seem to be a great role model for him as a man during his own football career. So what advice have you been able to give him over the years? Um, Jake, um, he doesn't need a huge amount of management. He's a, a young man with um, a, a hugely um, experienced knowledge of the game. I mean, he has been a student of the game since I met him at I don't know, uh, seven years old, and uh, he just studies the game in every aspect. And um, he is is pretty self-sufficient. He sometimes asks for advice, sometimes asks for opinion, and I'm there to give it. Um, but um, he, he's got really good understanding. He's got quite an old head on young shoulders, really. And he's, he, he reads the game. He's, he's, his game reading, his management of the game is excellent. And um, I have done some work and I'm doing some work currently with Jake with um, setting goals. And when I speak to his previous managers and I ask for some things, what they feel about Jake, they always say the same thing, game management, reading of the game. They can rely on him, trust him. So um, Jake's pretty good at, at, at man managing himself and um, I admire him for that. Yeah. 
So just going back to your career with post-retirement, you've had a go at being a manager at Brentford, Dover and Stainstown respectively. What's the future for you regarding the manager of a football club again? Um, I, I've got no desire to be in, in management in that respect. I'd like to work um, in football, like to keep branching out into different clubs to help um, um, both pros and um, you know youth team players um, with different aspects of the game, more the actual um, psychological setting goals, the emotional motivation, resilience, um, teamwork, communication, that sort of thing. And that's what I spend my time doing now, spending time between traveling around and doing talks and workshops for, for clubs and for businesses in, in, along those lines. And I've also got a personal training gym, a, a personal training center, sort of like a micro gym in Godston, Surrey, where I, I, um, I, I spend time training um, clients there. Cool. So uh, away from football, you're now the sport at uh, the Spot Wellness Centre in Godston. I said that goals that goal setting coach we touched we touched upon earlier. Uh, from a business perspective, what led you to take that new career path and set this venture up? Um, I just um, the, well the, the wellness centre. I've enjoyed um, exercise. I'm I'm um, absolutely um, institutionalised in needing exercise in my life. It is my sort of physical therapy, if you like, rather than sort of. Um, um, going to see one and I think that's what kept me going at the end of football because it's a really tough thing coming out of professional football you're inside a bubble that controls and manages everything you do they're told when to be where you, and where to be at what time you're you're given food you're transported to the pitch the everything is laid out in the dressing room the towels are rolled up your kit's hanging up it's a such a carefully managed environment when you come out of that it's almost like you're cast aside and that's really, really tough. And that's why I think so many players struggle because there isn't that preparation. Um, there is a real focus now on education, but is there a focus on a mental preparation for not going in and training day in, day out and playing your games just to so bosh, you've got loads of spare time. You've got no direction. What are you going to do? Um, and I don't think there's enough quite preparation there yet from the governing bodies. So, my um, my skill set now is to is to help develop players beyond football and into business and when there's that crossover. So um, not only did I when I came out of actual management, did I was I intent one of my goals was to set up my, my gym, which I did in 2016, but was also to start developing and helping other people with the process of, of changing their lives and finding another purpose within their life. And. Uh, I think it's easy when you're inside that bubble to think that happiness is is linked to intrinsically linked to wealth and materialistic items, but it's not. It's about the the um, the bonds that we have with the ones around us, our family and friends, and the experiences that we have in life. Yeah. Um, so, what does the future hold for you in terms of life and business? Then, um, well, I the uh, I want to keep developing both aspects of my life. So I want to develop the, the wellness center. Uh, I want to increase the volume. I want to help people and I want to try and encourage people and, and teach people that it's not just about a one hour window where they come in and do some exercise um, alongside me or one of our trainers. It's, it's about um, educating them to use their time outside of here, because in terms of just a one hour training session in a gym, it's not that 
productive over the course of every single hour that's available to us in over the course of a week. So it's more about teaching people the importance of uh, the rest of the hours that they're out of here. Um, in terms of the keynote motivational speaking, the similar sort of message is that um, to help people with frameworks, with um, with methods to improve themselves, to develop themselves, to find that inner happiness within themselves. Yeah. So last question, then, if if you could go back and change anything from whether it be in a footballer or, you know, things you're doing at the moment, if there's maybe one or two things that you could go back and change, would, would there be any? Do you know, um, a lot of people ask this question. I'm, I, I deliberate over things quite a lot. So um, when deciding on something and a course of action or a, a life choice, I often deliberate over it. So the decisions I make, I think are right at the time. So it's hard to go back and regret or and look back and regret. I mean, in hindsight, some weren't so good as others, but do I regret anything? No, not a single thing. Um, if there's one thing I would say is that find your purpose in life, find your goal and, and, and start beginning the process of personal development earlier. Because I left it like most players do to when I get to 31, 32 and think, okay, what am I going to do with myself? But you've got an incredible amount of um, expendable time when you're a professional footballer and you don't have to be studying from two in the afternoon when you get home through till 10 at night and then go bed and repeat the process. But if you can just start putting a plan together, a process where you perhaps do, I don't know, an hour a day or something over the course of 10 years, that equates to a huge amount of study time. And personal development is intrinsically, again, I use that word, is, is linked to is looped, looped, uh, linked to happiness um, and, and fulfilment in your life. Nicky, listen, it's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on today. Um, and yeah, thanks very much for your insight from obviously being a footballer through to the bits and pieces that you're doing as well as uh, in business. So um, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on and um, hopefully uh, we can see um, do more in the future. Yeah. Do you know what? I, um, I, I love talking now and um, I, I was always vocal on the pitch and I, I like, I continued that outside of football and um you know, let's let's hope we can speak more. It's, it's great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, not a problem. As I said before, that you know, I remember you personally from your time at Ipswich. I'm an Ipswich fan, so um, yeah, I remember those times as well. Um, but yeah, no, thanks very much for for coming on, and uh, it's been a real pleasure. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Nick. So that's it for this episode of People Behind Brands. I'd love to hear from you all. So if you want to get in touch, follow us on our social media platforms. If you like what you heard, please rate and subscribe to our exclusive content now. Join us next time for a brand new guest on the podcast as we explore yet more life lessons from the world of business. We'll see you soon. Ta-da!